the Light Gray Art Lab podcast. I'm Lindsay Knoll. I'm Jenny Bookler. And I'm Chris Heine. And this week we're bringing to you part one of our Iceland Diaries 2014. Uh, last year we did a series of Iceland Diaries that told you about all of our weird endeavors across the country of Iceland. And this time we've got something a little bit different where we chronicle the, the doings of our uh, 14-person group for our Iceland residency So, um, Jen, do you want to talk about the residency a little bit? Um, Sure. So, over the past week, we have been um, working with about 11 creatives from around the world. Uh, They came from the States, from Europe, and uh, each one of them teaches in various forms, also as professional illustrators and designers. Uh, So, we all got together to make work, uh, be inspired by the Icelandic landscape, sort of explore and then sort of see where the conversations went. So it was a really exploratory and informative event. Um, So it took place over five days, and we get to travel to many locations. So this is sort of a chronicling of that experience. Yeah, we had uh, one extra day in there, too, to let people explore a little bit at the end of it. Um, So we were able to to learn from each other and uh, to have a lot of really great conversations. So the format of this residency is something that's... uh, Familiar to us in general uh, in the States, of course, but this is one of our first uh, international ones, which has been really exciting for us. Chris and I, of course, have been to Iceland a couple different times, and so our experience has led us to find all of these really incredible spaces and places and to share that with all of these guys as well. So, um, do you want to tell uh, these guys who was involved? Sure. Um, So, the three of us were here for the residency. We also invited uh, Tegan White, Micah Plensky, Manuel Kilger, Gloria Pazili, Meg Hunt, Mike Freeman, Paul Patterson, Claire Hummel, Colin Foran, Callie Seaspire, and Sam Bosma. And so, all of those guys joined us, bringing all of their different fortes with them and each one had a really special workshop that they led us through and so we talk about that a little bit about in this podcast as well as our explorations and discoveries so uh you'll get to hear some of the silly things and some of the serious things and uh here you go today is august 12th um, in fact, it's actually August 13th. It's about 12.30 in the morning. Um, the following day, we've been here for at least how many hours, you guys? We have been here now 18 hours, I think. 18 hours? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. We got here at 6 a.m. It feels like we've been here for 1 billion hours. And mostly, I think that's because we've been awake since when? 9 since o'clock? Y- 8 o'clock? Since like 7 a.m. on the 11th. So it's been like 40 hours. <laughs> so it's been a long time. It's been a long day. Uh, it's exciting. We are just in the beginning of our Iceland adventure. Uh, tomorrow morning in just a short five or six hours, uh, everybody is going to arrive from different places in the United States, um, some people in Europe. Um, we're lucky to have Tegan White with us here, who's uh, visiting also from Minneapolis, and she's come a day early. But um, tomorrow, uh, we're going to get up, and everything will start. Every single thing will start. Um, this is actually uh, our third time, Chris and I's third time um, coming to Iceland. But this is the first time that we're doing a residency like this. And so 2014's residency is here in Iceland. 
We're going to be in the southern coast. And so uh, we've got a bunch of day excursions that we're going to do. And everybody gets to find out the first ones. But before we do that, we took a mini one this morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So after we got off the plane, uh, we went and we got our car and uh, met a nice man who gave us quite a fun time. And by fun time, I mean... <laughs> a minivan. <laughs> a minivan. <laughs> and we drove around for a couple hours uh, to a couple different places uh, mm-hmm. while we waited for our four-wheel drive car to show up. So, as you guys know, I tend to butcher all words all the time, but um, I'm particularly bad with some of the Icelandic words and some of the places. But we went to Fair Hverragurthy... <laughs> <laughs> pretty okay. good at that yep um where our plan was to see some things that we have never seen before um this is jenny's first time yes. and this is also tegan's first time and we set off to go and see a geothermal field that is smack in the middle of this city um very uh is a town that is covered in greenhouses in fact it's probably one of the most uh greenhouse heavy places. Um, they grow a lot of their vegetables, of course, in greenhouses because the soil here is really rocky. It's all volcanic and not a lot of things can actually grow directly in the dirt. So it was really pretty cool to see. It's just like an entire glass town. So we went up and took a tiny road on foot um, and saw some ruins of an old building on the side of a really interesting kind of brook Mm-hmm. Um, and we looked around for a little bit because we knew that very close by we were going to see a lot of steaming mud pots and kind of, you know, misting holes in the ground mm-hmm. and things like that. So the city the city's actually situated on sort of in a valley area and all the mountains around it or the large hills around it, you can see smoke sort of like pouring out of holes. And so you can't really tell where the big geysers are coming from or where um, the like... I don't know. Did they call them mud springs? Yeah, the mud hot springs, springs yeah, are mud coming pots, from. Yeah. Um, so you just sort of see smoke from everywhere. And because it's in this valley, um, you sort of turn the corner and you can hear bubbling things or hear like the brook running or different things like that. So it's sort of a really nice first magical experience. And it was nice. In this part of the area, it's um, very mossy. And it's got a lot of um, things that at first glance kind of look like farmland. But as you get really close and you actually bend down and you look at the ground, you can see it's tons of tiny little tiny plants, like lots of lichen and moss and like little tiny funny plants. Um, And so we took a trail near this brook and we walked up to the very top of a large hill and decided that we were going to go looking a little bit closer at some of these steaming vents. Um, And as we got closer, we could hear all of these things belching and kind of bubbling and making these really gross sort of slapping noises. Like the the mud sort of like flew up and then hit the sides of the walls. But um, one of the things that you can see from there is that the ground is actually scorched like a hot white or a gray just based on like all of the fumes coming up through the earth. And so you can kind of see where you can walk and where you can't walk. And so one of the things that people tell you is that you have to watch out where you step, otherwise the bottoms of your shoes are going to melt. And so we (laughs) very gingerly stepped around on top there, except for Chris, who decided that he was going to go and climb around in 
one practically. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, your the, guys's perspective is broken. I wasn't anywhere near it. I just it was on the. But it looked like we were on a hill, and you climbed on top of it and then around it, and it looked like you were standing in it. Yeah, which was terrifying. <laughs> I think my mom would not approve of your your actions. But you arrived back safely. You did not fall in and then boil to death inside there, which a person could probably do. I think we made several jokes about that. I don't that. think probably. I think you would die from the above 100 degrees Celsius boiling and also from the acid. I'm sure. I probably should not make any jokes about it, but I did. I, I'll admit it. Yeah. Yeah. But... So we went up there, and um, we actually spent a little bit of time up there. Um, there were a lot of horses that we saw in this part as well, and so people were on horseback kind of riding back and forth. And um, we ended up leaving that area in search of what we had heard of was a like a, a warm river that was still in this kind of geothermal, geothermally active um, spot. And let me see if I can remember what that was exactly. What but, it was called. Yeah, it was something with an R. But we ended up walking a little bit toward um, this kind of covered marshmallow-looking football field uh, and ended up... Oh, this is what it's called. It's called uh, Dollar. So um, we followed this couple who was real n- nice enough to bring us up to the actual first beginning part of the trek and ended up taking what turned out to be a one million hour long really really painful <laughs> hike and for some reason we decided not to bring water or food and well we didn't like expect it we things. thought we're like oh we'll just walk up this hill and then we'll find this magical um i mean i think we had river. warning but i don't know if I don't know what was happening. I think we were sleep deprived and yeah. Well, it said there's a little sign that said three kilometers, and we're like, oh, pfft, that's like a mile and a half, no big deal. But it was the directly most, uphill. It was directly uphill, and on like a narrow path, and covered in horse poop. Covered in horse poop and bugs. So many bugs on the horse poop, on your mouth, and in your ears. <laughs> it was actually, despite all those things, it was actually pretty romantic. After, like, puffing and puffing and Chris taking yeah. all these horrible photos of us with, like, red faces, like, drooping and sagging, like, all the way up there, we ended up on the top, like, what we thought was the top, which I think was probably close to the top. Um, yeah, and it was it was very straight. It was also, I think, right at the beginning or right during the middle, my timer went off, which was my alarm, which marked the 24-hour mark where we, you and I had been up for 24 hours and Jenny had been up for 28 or 30 or something by that point. So it was a hard walk, I think, mainly because of how exhausted we are. And we had only eaten once in that 20, I'd only eaten once in that 24 hours. I had then, eaten several bags of pizza combos by yeah. this time of the day. So you'd think that would give her super energy, but I guess no. it didn't. <laughs> I think, it, I think this, all the salt, all the sodium sucked every single ounce of, of energy away and water. So I was like a small raisin standing on top of this beautiful valley, <laughs> <laughs> looking down at this like amazing waterfall uh, that... It was actually really pleasant, despite the the funny little bugs and, like, the horse poop and stuff. Um, When we actually got to the top, we stood there for a second and looked over this thing, and it was probably the first time that we had taken a real break. Um, We'd been walking for maybe 40 minutes or so, and for some reason, walking uphill 
directly up, straight up to the universe for 40 minutes is really hard. So uh, we decided to keep going, and we ended up making it all the way to an area where we could see more of like the steam coming out of these vents. And um, along the way, we saw a couple people actually bathing in the river alongside. Mm-hmm. And so we had planned ahead, and we knew that you can go swimming in these things, and we found a spot that was probably, I don't know, 100 feet, 150 feet away from kind of one of the mouths of these, like, bubbling mud pits or whatever, mud pools. And uh, Tegan and Jenny and I just decided to sit in it. And so we just sat in the river, and it was amazing. Yep. (laughs) It was amazing. And so... It was really nice just to, like, hang out for a second. I think it's really rare that you get to see a space that, you know, there are a couple other people around, but mm-hmm. there weren't that many people well, around. Well, this, this river was, um, it was runoff from the top of the mountain, so it was a really skinny, narrow river, so it was maybe, like, three or four feet wide, and really tall grass around it, so it was, a, like, a nice private bathing and relaxation session. It was actually really nice, and it Chris really took nice. a nap. Chris yeah, did take a nap. I wasn't interested in getting all wet in the middle of a long hike, so I laid down. And that was probably a really bad idea because then I felt ten times worse when I got back up and had to hike back down. But Well, I think I was really appreciative of the river being there. I think it was mm-hmm. nice. I mean it and I don't know if we mentioned that, but because it was so close to these like hot hot areas, you know, these like hot bubbling pools, the water was like bath water. It was warm, and it was just perfect. It wasn't scalding hot, and it wasn't like, you know... I mean, it was for real, like, yeah. bath water. Yeah. And so um, we sat in there for a while and, like, uh, ended up going probably, like, face deep in mud on the way back. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so the funny thing about the river is on the way there, we were talking about... Um, chocolate cake at like the end of a journey and how nice it would be for somebody to just give you some chocolate cake at the end which I feel like bathing in the river was that sort of reward at the end you know it was completely worth getting to that point even though it was really painful I think so and I think the way back wasn't that bad it wasn't as hard as as that way it was a little weirder going downhill but it was actually really nice but we ended up um, heading back to town to get our car um, we played like weird switcheroo with the cars that we had, and we got like a a jeep now that's able to do all sorts of uh, stuff on the F roads, which are sort of the the Highland roads that are a little bit more gravelly and a little bit more vertical. And we ended up um, grabbing all of our weird food from uh, Reykjavik there too. So we've got this giant car full of food and tons of bags, and we brought all these weird things from Minneapolis to make sure that we have everything for when these guys get here tomorrow morning. And and then I think at that point, we all sort of crashed and had a two-hour drive to find our farmhouse, which we're sitting at right now. So we had a very kind of quiet and... Uh, well, it was pretty eventful, though. We we stopped at Selfoss. It was... Right, we stopped at Selfoss, which is a... Oh, yeah, we did. Also, there might be a ghost in this house. <laughs> I have a feeling that maybe something just happened. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's scary. That was scary. There's a weird noise that just happened. I don't think there's anybody else that's here. We're the only ones here. And all of our windows are fogged up because we've been cooking in here. Yeah. So we can't stay outside. Well, let's... Yeah. Uh... Well, we stopped at Selfoss. We stopped at... <laughs> we stopped a bunch of times. 
We oh. tried to stop and save a baby horse, but he freed himself before we could get back to him. We stopped at Seljalands Foss, which is another like giant, giant waterfall, and we walked behind it. Yeah. And uh, got soaking wet. So we didn't stop at Selfoss? Selfoss, the town, we did. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we ate a food. We ate some pizza. That was good. And uh, uneventful pizza, really good cappuccino. And then we sat in the car for a while. That was good. It was nice to sit down. So, but I feel like uh, here we are. Also, our house is incredibly remote. It's awesome. And it was really hard to find because you had to take an off-road of an off-road and, um, I don't know, I, it, and the directions were really poor. So now that we know how to get here, we can get back. But it was, I was afraid for a while when we weren't going to find it. Yeah. It was getting dark and we'd been up for like 40 billion hours, yeah. but, but we're here and it's funny, um, the place looks like it was stuck in a european version of the 70s i don't know what that means but um whoever had lived here really likes to play music because there is an accordion on the wall um there's an organ in one of the rooms there's a a a player piano or an upright piano here in the living room and then um they also might have been a painter because there's all sorts of like hand-done paintings there's also a creepy baby doll in the corner over here which is probably what made that noise and probably is going to haunt our dreams forever but um, it's really cute, and it's really nice, yeah. and I'm looking forward to exploring during the daytime. We're just maybe a 10-minute walk away from the coast. Uh, we didn't get a chance yet to go and see that, but I think we'll bring everybody there. And over the course of the next several days, we're going to be recording some uh, reflections, some talks, some, some thoughts from some of the people that are participating in the Iceland Residency with us uh, and hopefully you'll get a chance to hear what they think about the space and what it's like to sort of unplug for several days and be around people that are thinking similarly and you know talking about different processes and just being out and about in a place that's not the norm so that's our plan and uh i hope hope it works (laughs) so i suppose we'll talk to you tomorrow yeah, we have to get up in four or five hours. Yeah, I'm pretty tired. Okay. Good night. Today is August 13th. We've had a pretty eventful day, a pretty long day. And let me tell you how this went. Um, today we're actually accompanied by Claire Hummel, who's going to also recount all the many events. <laughs> From, oh, yes. from all the moments. And then... Uh, Claire's the only one who wasn't so exhausted that she just collapsed on her bed Yeah, by now. I was pretty exhausted. You were, yeah, yeah. but you're the only one. I guess that is fair. You're I'm left physically standing. the only person left standing. Yeah, it's <laughs> so I'm the best. Yes, you've yes. won all the, all the things. Yeah, and so, let's see. How do we do this? So this morning, Chris and I woke up at... Uh, six in the morning, which was really rough considering we went to bed very, very late. Um, but we knew we were probably going to be in good company because a lot of people today showed up probably around the same time that we woke up. I think, was your flight uh, that early as well? Yeah, our flight got in at 6.30. And so we had been up since the morning of the day before because of the time <laughs> zones and all that fun stuff. But So, so everybody was sleep deprived and feeling good. Uh, sure. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we 
ended up uh, picking up the second car today, the two giant cars, and rolled in a little bit later than normal than we thought we would um, to Reykjavik, and I, you guys were all standing there in a giant clump. Oh, yeah. So we, we eventually found each other, and apparently they had been waving at other people who had walked up to them because <laughs> they kept thinking it was us and kept missing. <laughs> and this became a theme because we're waiting for you guys, and you guys were a little late. And so eventually this big truck pulls up that seems the appropriate size and a guy gets out who kind of looks like Chris from afar and everyone's like that's definitely Chris let's go let's go walk towards that guy and we just start swarming towards this car and then we get close enough to realize oh no 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 it's not Chris and then we all just awkwardly kind of look around and act like, like nothing happened as this poor man's staring at us for the mob as we, of people, yeah, these people descending upon him, him. It was good. And eventually, good about that. That, that yeah. sounds good. And I feel like maybe, Chris, you do have a weird doppelganger somewhere. But we did roll up in a giant chunk. And you guys were all together. Yeah. Because by then you'd been practiced to, we're, like... We were best friends. Yeah. You guys found everybody. Well, it was quite a, a squeeze in there. So we have these seven-seater cars that are pretty big. But they were stuffed to the brim. We had many a thing on there. We all piled in, and we had to pick up a couple people. So we had uh, a roundabout adventure on the wild streets of Reykjavik, which, by the way, if you've ever taken a look at a map, if you want to go search it, you can see it looks like somebody decided just to give like a small, maybe a two- or a three-year-old a crayon to draw a map. And there's all these little, like, tiny roads that change into other roads that have like little offshoots that go backwards and there's like a piece of a triangle that's a road and so we were searching around for a couple of these um with a car full of people packed two cars two cars full of people oh yeah two caravanning we were and trying to stay together because only we only have one cell phone so we can't talk to each other Mm mm-hmm so granted we realized after the fact we could have yeah, texted. You. Oh whoops. Yeah. <laughs> so we so we, solved all our problems. You know, I thought about that at the time and I was probably the Minnesota nice of me. I was like, I couldn't ask them to spend their international. Fifty cents a text. <laughs> In case we get separated, it would be too much to ask somebody to Oh now we know. That's a revelation I'm having yeah. right now about how how nice it could be. Yeah, but we somehow managed to do it. But somewhere in the midst of it, Chris was following me and, of course, trying my best to stay on the road and actually find a place because we were picking up Gloria, um, who was one of the last people to get picked up. And we drove and drove and drove and took some turns. And, of course, you know, there's roundabouts and there's all these things that we're not used to. Um, And we're driving these massive vehicles and suddenly, I get on the road that we're finally supposed to be on to pick up Gloria, and I'm super excited about it. And Chris decides that he wants to go and drive on a sidewalk for some reason. Wait, that's not what no, happened. There was, a truck, there was a truck between our two cars, and then the truck turns, and your car was gone. Yeah. We had no idea where you guys we went. Were, everyone in the car had like, eagle eye vision on you waiting, because this... This My giant, massive car disappeared. Yeah, this and giant then, truck pulled between us, and then you guys just disappeared. And there was nowhere to go, so I couldn't figure out, because you went around the corner, and then we went around the corner, and no one was there. So then... Yeah, so we turned, like, left, drove around, came back, turned around again, and then somehow you were behind us. We were like, they're there! 
the regular. It's because we saw you driving around, and then I said, oh my god, if I lose Chris now, I'm going to lose him forever. And then we went on a wild chase to try and track you down, so I laid on the horn for like 15 minutes trying to chase you guys as you went through. Actually, we went down a one-way, the wrong way twice. No, that wasn't a one-way. It wasn't a one-way. Oh, bonus. Yeah. We well, in that case, there was just panic. a giant construction tr- truck, and then a bus came into our lane to pass that. But when we turn on the road, we see two yeah, it giant like a trucks way. and a, bu- a gi- truck and a bus facing us. So we thought it was one way. So we instantly turned into a, a parking ramp, traffic. a gating, oh. a gated parking ramp, and then we were both stuck in there because it, it had a gate. And then this bus just like was like, "Well, I'm going through anyway." And now we had like wedged ourselves into his lane instead of staying in our lane. But anyway, so that's how that whole thing started. We, yeah, drove on sidewalks. We did. We yeah, and then it was that was nerve wracking. But I think we did a good job. <laughs> we finally found everybody. We picked up, we picked up uh, Paul from the bus station last after going like the wrong way down like a highway also, which was good. And then. Um, I think at that point, we knew that we were okay, right? Yeah, once we had it. Well, once we got to Paul, because we knew where Paul was. Yeah. The bus yeah, and that's a, yeah, find. that's an easy landmark. Yes. Uh, that was good. And so we, we trekked it over to the to the Kringlin Mall, where we stocked up on extra extra goods. Somehow, some mysterious candy appeared later, which I'm not really sure if that came directly from, from... the Germans. Oh, and yeah, probably candy. directly from Germany. Yeah, so, yep. yeah, I think maybe just Micah brought it over. That's awesome. I wasn't there when it was I brought up. I kind of thought it was too. Manuel's, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, whichever one of them, God bless together. them. Yes. <laughs> it was delicious. They had latte awesome. chocolate, ice latte chocolates. German chocolate technology. Yes. Is above and beyond <laughs> I, what we I have in the agree. US. But at Kringla, Sam got the ever favorite cool American Doritos. Cool American Doritos. Which I believe we got last time and we're amazed by it. And everyone was also. I'm amazed. It's a crowd pleaser. Yeah, I'm thrilled by it. I that. bet they make I'm that gonna... only so American tourists will buy it. I'm totally <laughs> getting some before I head back out. Like, that is. That cool American. That to me. Yeah, somebody should figure out why that is a thing, why that's a real thing. So my argument is that since ranch dressing isn't a thing over here, it's like an American dressing. I suppose that makes sense. Like, maybe? Yeah, they were like, that's your if thing. If you say cool ranch, like, that, I understand why that wouldn't make sense to anyone outside <laughs> of the U.S. I mean, it doesn't make sense to us in the U.S., I guess. What's cool? What's a cool one? What's yeah. a cool version <laughs> of a ranch? Of ranch sauce. But... A chip? On a chip, probably. Yeah. And then they had Cooler Ranch. Which is just more which is effervescent. effervescent. Yeah. yeah no, that's weird. Doritos are weird in general, yeah. I think. But but he did get those. But I think um, we also got lots of coffee. And uh, after being way up, I think that was good. It got back in the car. And then what? And then we headed back. We did. So we had a two-hour drive to go to. Um, and we were going to just straight shot the whole entire thing. Um, and what was nice about that <laughs> was the fact that it was, uh, actually a beautiful day out. It was actually kind of hot like it was yesterday. And so we were going through and of course I was a tour guide and I was like, that's a thing. And this is what that thing does. And this is all the thing does. And then we ended up deciding we were going to stop in Selfoss, um, which is about halfway between, um, where we were and where we were going. And we pulled in, and Chris got some gas, 
and uh, we're so excited and we're halfway there and we're halfway to our thing. We're going to get some lunch. And Chris pulled over to the side to kind of let me lead the way. And I pulled out of the gas station going 0.1 miles an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Crawling. Crawling so slowly, in fact, that time was was passing in other places more quickly than my car. And um, in the slowest of slow motion, the oldest of ancient women... Icelandic women. Turned so slowly, ever so slowly, into the side of my car. <laughs> and we we went, no. And then I got out and I was like, are you okay? And she was like, uh-oh, because that's not what she said. That's what her face said. And then I went, uh-oh, in real life. And then we were like, we both speak different languages. So... <laughs> So we got into a minor, a minor tiny accident after, by the way, if you remember from yesterday's uh, diary entry, our our car guy had spent the entire morning telling us about all of the accidents that all of his people had gone through. He went over and over and over. He said, this guy fell off a cliff and this, this guy did this thing and this one blew up and this person Stuck is stranded somewhere. Yeah. And then, and he's like... And they always say they're going to be careful. And I said, I'm going to be careful. <laughs> and then I got hit by the oldest woman that lives in this country. So so we pulled slowly, even more slowly off to the side. That poor old lady's going to listen to this and be like, I'm She's not going to understand any of this. That's a good thing. Oh, and I was trying to motion, like, I don't know if you've ever tried to pantomime, or pantomime like, insurance card. Or (laughs) or registration. I was like, here's a piece of paper, a fake piece of air paper that I'm going to flap around at you and point to your car. And then we didn't, it wasn't working. I was really bad at it. So um, she, like a good citizen, called the police, which was good. And those guys rolled up and there was a um, a middle-aged gentleman. As soon as the police got there, I said... You said, see you later, Lindsay. I'm like, uh-oh, the popo, I'm out of here. And I left. <laughs> yeah, you peeled I out. T- I took car number accurate. two back to the house yeah, directly and let Lindsay deal with the police. Which is fine because, you <laughs> Because know. we had a car full of jet lag hungry people. That is true. Yeah, no, I didn't. We had so many sandwiches. That was good, though, because I feel like, I feel like it was pretty. <laughs> what ensued uh, at that point was probably pretty good that you guys had gone because... Uh, we were sitting there, and uh, they took my license and registration. They took her license and registration, stood around for a second. And then the younger of the two cops, who was very nice, by the way, motioned me over and said, Here, sit down. And then he opened the back seat of his <laughs> cop car and pointed and said, It's okay. <laughs> and then I gingerly sat in the back seat of his car as he shut the door on me and everybody in my car <laughs> looked on with horror <laughs> wondering why I was in the back of a cop car which I was also wondering at that time because I started to tell the story of how this how this old lady kind of um, you know just slowly drove into the side of my car and um, they were like no no we'll talk to you later and then get in this car and, uh, and so they talked to the old lady first. So I was like, uh-oh, I don't know what, what's going on. So eventually she got in the car, too. So we both sat in the back of the car together and had a really weird moment. And so I was smiling and asking her if she was okay. And then she was like, no, 
and then she started crying and then i was like this is getting weirder and, and weirder but eventually all was well because they they figured it out and i said a very strange goodbye to this old woman so sad and then got back on the road and then decided as a last moment of something not to wave at her as I was going by because I thought maybe that would add insult to also wrecked car <laughs> situation. Bye, friend. And I was like, we've had fun. But it was all good. It was all good. So we lived to tell the tale, and it, it is a, uh, a small ding on a large car, and then we on we went. So we came back here in time to notice that there were sandwiches abound mm-hmm. and tired people abound. And my group had already eaten and went into a small a, coma. A food coma. the tiniest coma. But it was nice. And I think that was the first time we got to sit around together for a little bit. Um, Jenny and Tegan had spent all morning trying to peek under a secret locked door yeah. that's in our house. Yep. Maybe, yeah. So we actually, Tegan and I kind of slept in a little bit, which was really nice. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but <laughs> we slept in and then... Um, we got up and around, and we weren't really sure. Uh, you guys had planned on being back to the house, I think, at, like, 1 o'clock. Yeah, so. I took a slow oh, yeah. detour Yeah, so we weren't really sure. <laughs> slow detour to a car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we weren't really sure when you guys would be back, so we wanted to stay close to the house. Um, so we started getting around. We made breakfast. And then I noticed there. So there's two locked doors in the house that we don't know what's in there or what's happening. Um, one is by all the bedrooms, and one is off the kitchen and last night I was looking at the door everything was normal and then today I looked over and the light was on and I was like oh my god this door locks from the inside somebody (laughs) must be in there and so Tegan and I proceeded to try and figure out what was in there so we laid on the ground and looked under the door which all we Tegan's glasses were too big so I had to lay on the ground (laughs) and then I was only able to see so the room is covered in furniture, but all of it, it looks like walker legs with, like, a rubber piece on the end. Like so a tennis just, ball? Uh, there's no tennis balls, but it, it's, like, the stoppers, just the rubber pieces everywhere. So there's a lot of furniture in there, but I was like, why is this light on? Is there a ghost? Or is somebody living in here? <laughs> or what are all the other options? That maybe there's an invisible person who knows what's happening. So our next, our next task was we went outside... And there was a thorn bush outside the window, so we tried to get close enough, but there was no luck. Um, and then we came back inside, and Tegan brought a mirror with her, so we stuck it on the floor and tried to, like, scoot it under the door to look. <laughs> and then Tegan had a fake conversation with me while we were fixing lunch so that I could lay on the floor and not disrupt this person if there's a person in there. What would have happened if the person would have opened the door on you and you were laying on the floor with a mirror? <laughs> we have a lot more concerns if there was a secret person yeah. living. Yeah, no, I know. Tegan thought she yeah. might die. So we, we thought it was important to see what all our options are, try our best to figure out the door situation. Um, there was no luck. It's still a mystery. And now the light is off. That person, the fake person, has gone to sleep. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So something is happening. So we made lunch, and then um, we were waiting for a while, so we ended up walking where our house is at. Is kind of, I don't know how you describe this road. It's like a road that is a L-ish shape that goes like through other people's stuff, and then there's like some small ponds that we drive through, and then the house. So we went walking down this road, 
And there's actually like three or four houses next door that are butted together, but they're old sheds. And so we walked in the old abandoned houses, which is really cool. The ceiling was all out. It was like six foot pieces of paint chips flying down. Um, so it was really cool. So we walked around. Tegan walked upstairs and I did not, so we didn't break the floor. Um, but it was really nice. It was a nice morning. We played some card games, some dice games, and just sort of waited. We weren't, <laughs> we weren't really sure when you guys would get back, but it worked out okay. That was good. It's not yeah. like we we all had an adventure. <laughs> we did. Which we was did. good. Who I knows what's happening in there? Nobody knows, really. Maybe that's a... Maybe we'll, well solve do it. You, do you guys remember when we heard the noise last night? Recording yes. the podcast? Yes. That's what I'm saying. There's, there's, there's a, a creeper living in the closet. So yeah. rewind to the previous segment and you'll be able to hear a thump at some point. I think we all kind of paused for Yeah, a we were like, what was that and why is that happening? Oh, did we mention it? I think Yeah, we, for a long we time we paused and got scared and then, okay. <laughs> and then got confused. But, and then uh, I think we, at that point, we did come home. Yes, you did. And then we said our hellos to everybody and then piled back in the cars after a short recess and you gave us our itinerary and talked about the trip oh yeah i forgot yeah. all those things happen you did all this hard work we shared how many oh, yeah. pets we have we oh did. yeah we, there was yeah. a pet talk there was a good pet talk uh, diverse amounts of pets i think yeah surprising yeah. variety of pets very nice and uh and so our plan today was to go someplace close because i think everybody was still recovering from and is probably still recovering from the the flight times so we put on our rain stuff, just in case, and set out on the road, and probably one second after we got on the road, we, we remembered that there were these old cave, how, like homes, like cave homes? What were they called again? Do you uh... remember? Well, they're caves, they're <laughs> caves that were caves, so someone built a house on the front of it, so it would like be totally... Like a root cellar. Oh, yeah. Root cellar. Sounds they, like root cellar. It does, and... That makes sense because a lot of them have like these giant holes that that burrow into the side of one of these huge rocks that just juts out of the earth. Um, but a lot of the roofs were caved in. A lot of like the the pieces were broken down. The first one that we stumbled upon, we jumped over a fence and tried not to get the, our crotches stuck <laughs> on some barbed wire, and went down there. And I was the first person to get there, and I peeked in, and I was like, "Cool!" And then I took a breath in. And it was aromatic in, <laughs> in the most substantial of ways. And then I looked down and I was like, oh, that's why. there A sheep had died in there. And I said, hey, everyone, look at the first thing that you get to see in Iceland. Come look at this sheep that's inside this weird little house. Um, so we walked over there and everybody took a nice long gander at that and the surrounding beauty. <laughs> So, but it was actually pretty cool. I guess the entire cliffside or this like section of of space that we're in um, at one point had 120 uh, different caves that are all over the place, some of which still have structures standing. And so they're all different. Um, some are built more like a lean-to with a door. Others are actually little houses. Um, and we saw a series of those along that side. And so just to kind of paint you a picture of what it looks like, um, right now, the place that we are um, residing in is right between the ocean and, um, I, I'll call them mountains. They're kind of mountains. It's more like a flat-topped thing. Yeah, it's a volcano. So um, 
there's sort of these like soft scoops that go up the side and then along the side there are a lot of waterfalls and kind of like small um like small kind of pockety areas where there might be cave-like things and so along this whole side there's supposed to be 40 some um structures that are still intact and so we walked around to a couple of those and drove down to a couple other ones which were really pretty cool i think the second one that we went to was just a maybe i don't know like a kilometer later or so we parked along the side and and skipped across ring road and started walking towards some of these other structures and from far far away i was walking next to meg hunt and she said there's a dog running full speed ahead at us <laughs> i hope it's nice <laughs> and we went oh yeah like Lindsay was the first i was like it's the first line me. of defense I was like oh, okay where is this going and we as it got closer we were like i think this dog is doing good um and, and it, the tail went nuts and yeah, stuff, yeah and it was a super nice dog it's like kind of a, a black lab looking dog and it came down and it kind of did like happy happy dog play pose and picked up a rock and then put it in front of a couple people. And we were like, oh, this is a game. So this dog was nuts for for rock throwing. <laughs> and for maybe the next half an hour or so, different people took turns throwing rocks for this dog that was just so excited to see some strangers coming up. Because, you know, we were like, oh, no, guard dog is going to get us for walking all over this land and looking at these artifacts or something. But it was really nice. Was and that dog was amazing. She would actually, like, catch them in her mouth when you'd throw them. Really? Like, which does not seem like a healthy thing for a dog to <laughs> do, but it was impressive. It was really nice. And, I, like, all along this side, too, there were there was a giant cave that had, like, a corrugated tin building kind of next to it. And then a couple other, like, double um, turf-topped, I don't know, small structures and we kind of crawled around near that stuff. And it was really very cool to see that. I think if you looked up, you saw pieces of beams and other things that were kind of embedded in the rock um, and places where holes of, like, all those structures had been at one point. Um, And we left that place and said goodbye to the dogs, got back in the car, and headed towards, um, I think it's... uh, Skogafoss. Skogafoss. Which is a huge waterfall that just barrels directly down into um, a very flat plain, and so it kind of hits the the ground and then shoots out in a really wide river um, straight towards the ocean. And uh, it's a very, very—I don't know if it's—it's it's definitely not the widest, but it's a really substantial waterfall. It's, it's super huge. It's very powerful. So as we were walking towards it, it started raining. And all of us, I think, were pretty pretty soaked at that point. But, of course, we had worn our stuff just because we knew we were going to get next to this waterfall and get drenched anyway. So it was kind of serendipitous. And so as these guys got closer, I think the majority of people went up, up the treacherous stairs to go and take a peek at the very top of it. How'd that go? It was good. Everyone liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, good. we found a, at the halfway point there was a... A path going off of the stairway that took you to this little outcropping, kind of maybe a little bit above half the halfway up the waterfall, and it was that was probably cooler, but it it was definitely um, foreboding, I guess. Yeah, I felt I felt nervous standing out there when I checked it out. It was um, 
It was very cool, but when I was taking photos, I had that that thought that was like the power of this waterfall is going to knock me backwards off the mountain. (laughs) Yeah, because it was like rapidly take photos and then move on. Appreciate that. But everyone went out there liked that a lot, and people at the top, it's cool, and you can see you know all the way across the valley or whatever. So that's beautiful. And and Jenny and I uh, saved our leg power. And stood in a crevice near the waterfall and hid there yeah. for a while. And that was actually really fun until a man yeah. found us and then we had to go and uh, and leave. So, <laughs> but it was good. And then the last stop on our uh, adventure today was Deer Hole, which um, hopefully I'm saying it correctly. But you turn down a road and kind of go for a long while. And then you end up kind of skirting between these two large like sand flats so um like these giant sandbars that are beautiful black smooth sand for a really long while and kind of crawl up this hill and eventually there's all these great basalt rock formations that are just being pummeled by the waves so they've been turned into these really incredible twists and turns and they've got these like and it's columnar basalt which means you get those amazing like hexagonal and it wasn't it wasn't like the really evenly shaped ones it was just a bunch of weirdly shaped columns yeah and and it's so striking have you guys seen return to oz have you seen that movie that's one of those ones i don't know what you're gonna i don't know what you're referencing like uh late 80s claymation is or 80s claymation in general reminds me a lot of that because you can see the finger marks, you know, lots of like, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? That's kind of what it feels like. Yeah, and so, um, but it was great. And by then it had uh, stopped raining a little bit and we were standing up there and there was clouds and mist everywhere and you could kind of look out over the ocean and just see these really cool um, archways that have been carved out of all of these different places and just this great sandbar. And so it was a really nice like last place to visit today. There's a lot of stuff to see there, too. Like, yeah. the fact that you had two sea arches, you had those trolls out in the distance, yeah. and then that giant one in the foreground, and then there were, like, some ruins nearby, and it was very cool. It was really cool. And I went to get uh, Manuel and Micah, because they were the last ones to bring to the car, and I went up to get them, and then I was walking down, I looked to my left and saw probably, like, 20 or 30 puffins. I saw that. Oh, cliff. yeah. So then I pulled out my telephoto lens, even though they nice. were, I could have got within like, I got within like six feet of them, but then I got my telephoto oh, lens awesome. to get super. And got right into their eyeball. Yeah, so I got some close-ups <laughs> of them. But and then, I spent a little while. I was like, go back to the car. I'm going to take some pictures quick, 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 quick. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. And I think, you know, people were like, this is a good one to end on. So we um, took our last photos, drove all the way back, um, got in here, and... Um, we made some lasagna and set that to cook, and that the was... The oven was being It was weird. <laughs> it's really hard when you're from the USA and you go to a place where you have to read, like, little pictures on how... Like, you'd think that would yeah. be a universal... You'd be like, oh, I'm yeah. drawing. I can understand yeah. that I was because... like, why are there 16 options to turn on the oven? <laughs> and why are they just, like, lines and shapes? I just want heat. <laughs> want. Yeah. I know. So... I... <laughs> But we, we managed to cook a dinner, which was good, and then uh, and then I did a small pattern demo where I showed some guys some, some different pattern types that I usually like to make when I'm making stuff on my own, and Tegan did a um, kind of a process, um, I wouldn't call it a lecture, but she kind of, it was more of a, just a chat about some of the things that she does when she looks for inspiration, and 
um, some of the places she goes and, and things like that. So she showed some images of the stuff that she finds and um, talked about how that influences her work. And uh, right after we partook in this luxurious lasagna, one of which is was very ugly because I made it really ugly looking, but it was delicious. Um, it was good. Yeah, it you was really even good. Tell. Good. That's just good. Put more cheese on top. Yeah, you know, it's just like a pile anyway. Done. Yeah. So, but I think it was good. So a lot of people have gone to bed um, at this point. We stayed up and did some tarot cards and chatted about D and D for a while and and did stuff like that. But um, we're the last ones out of everybody that's come in today, and we've got big plans for tomorrow to go and visit some really beautiful places. Um, and I'm really excited about it because it'll be our first big excursion. So um, I think that's about it. I think it was a good day. It was a good day. Today is August 14th. Um, We've had a super long day of many adventures, uh, going from places that have extreme wetness to extreme dryness. Nope. Extreme boilingness. And uh, extreme rockiness. And extreme spa-ness. And so... (laughs) Lots of extremes. (laughs) All the extremes in one day. Um... We started out at 8.30 in the morning and got on the road pretty early because we had to head all the way up to sort of one of the classic treks um, here in Iceland, which is the Golden Circle. Um, Traditionally, people that kind of have a day or two in Iceland. (laughs) Is it the Golden Circle? Yeah. I've been calling it the Golden Triangle. No. (laughs) Well, isn't there three things? There's no circles. Isn't there three things? Yeah, there might be some other things that I don't know about. but Okay, golden circle. Yep. And uh, traditionally people, when they get off their plane, if they're doing sort of like a, um, a layover or something in Iceland, they'll do these things. So it's probably some more of the, the more populated areas. But um, it doesn't, that doesn't scare us. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to say. It's worth seeing regardless of crowds. And the crowds are funny because I don't think they're that big. I think they kind of ebb and flow the way that all the rest. Well, of they'll the be stuff pretty is. empty, and then a bus will come, and then people will file off, and then take a picture, and take a picture, and then get back on the bus. So um, right now, since it's August, it's also probably the most popular time to come because it's a lot more green. It's it's a little bit less wet, and it's definitely a lot warmer than it would normally be. And so it's definitely prime season for coming here and taking a visit. So. Uh, we started and we, we took a kind of a back road or, you know, a, a less crazy road all the way up uh, to Gullfoss. And as we drove up there, we had a little bit of time in the car to talk about all sorts of different things. And it was probably the first time we were all awake and excited to, to start doing things together. So um, because we were on our way over there, uh, we sort of primed everybody to say, like, you know, be prepared to possibly get wet, be prepared for possible mud. I mean, there's all these types of things that, you know, you got to dress for. And um, Gullfoss is one of the, I think it is the biggest uh, waterfall in the entire place, (laughs) in the entire country. In fact, it might even be, and I think I read this on one of the plaques while we were there, uh, bigger and more majestic than Niagara Falls. Um, definitely one of those things that when you see it, it is almost so unreal that, that you're not really 
sure how how deep or how wide or how crazy everything is but um it's a waterfall that's got two tiers and it comes crashing down to the first one and sort of goes on a small shelf and then crashes even further into this big ravine between two beautiful cliffs and the spray from the water shoots directly up you know 50 feet 100 feet. shoots i think twice the height of the waterfall and it's almost like this really delicate mist and it kind of rains down on everybody down there. So everything's wet and kind of glistening and sort of sparkly. And we got there just before the crazy rush and um, everybody sort of split up. Some people walked up near the top and sketched. Other people walked down straight into like the crazy wet area. Um, and Jenny and I uh, decided to kind of wander about and look at things. And... Again, it's interesting to find food uh, at random places, but what I've noticed in this trip is it's a little bit easier than it than it has been. Um, Golfos always has this really nice gift shop, and it's got you know a nice place where you can get a couple things that are a little bit more traditional. So they've got you know a really good lamb stew, they've got lox and bagels, they've got some other sandwiches, and awesome cappuccinos, which was great. And um, we all sort of wandered about and met back and, and ate lunch together there, which was really good. Um, we also, after eating, got back together, got in the car, and made our way over to Geyser, which is really close by, probably seven kilometers or you know something really short, and pulled into the parking lot. And in contrast to this incredible waterfall, it's sort of this scorched earth looking area with, you know, kind of orangey, yellowy clay, um, rivulets of water that are coming directly out of these holes that are in the ground. Lots of bubbling water that's really clear and really beautiful, and lots of steam coming up. And it was um, a little bit chillier than the, the day before, so these big billows of steam would kind of, you know, float up from the geyser as it as it shot up in this giant channel. And we walked along a path and kind of looked at some of the little guys and stood for a while until um, we saw Geyser erupt. So Geyser is, um, I guess, the second biggest, um, uh, or excuse me, Stroker is the second biggest. Was that one at that location, too? I think that's the one that we watched. um, Yeah, Geyser. Because Geyser's the giant one. Oh, that doesn't, isn't regular? Yeah, because I think what, and I think we read this too, um, Geyser's the one where everybody in the 50s or the 60s kept throwing rocks in there thinking that they were going to set it off, and then they just clogged it. So it goes off, but it doesn't go off regularly. It doesn't have like a timer. Um, but the other one is is actually really big, and it's really fantastic, and it's got this clockwork. Um, so, you know, you stand there for a series of minutes, and it's just great because you're you can watch like the pool of water sort of pulsate a little bit and then it kind of sucks in and then spews up you know water yeah something i liked about the geysers um it it was also a pretty popular area with lots of tour buses and stuff and people sort of gathering around the hole um but if you got close enough the water is clear so you could sort of see the blue and then you would see a dark like cavern hole down below so you could see where the water was coming from and sort of like uh, populating the hole, which was really interesting, sort of seeing where that was coming from, how it was working, and then it also makes you imagine all the other spaces below you that are also just 
like full of water. Yeah, Jenny and I were moving. saying that there is a small, thin crust of walkable earth on top of a giant boiling water <laughs> pot, and that we were all going to fall to our deaths and get burnt, I guess, or cooked. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So our minds <laughs> went to a good place. I'm pretty sure the actual water that is causing this is really deep. Underground? You mean deep in mm. the earth. You mean just some like weird little channels? I yeah, it's like that. a little channel that comes mm. up. I'm not it positive. It looked but... horizontal. So it feels treacherous. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know, Chris. It looked like it was coming out of the side. So that meant... That, that meant instant death yeah. if you were to go in it. And yeah. I mean, yeah. we... Okay. We... We're putzing around there for a while, looking at everything, and, and uh, again, it's a beautiful place. I mean, this this kind of charred land is right next to all this really lush vegetation and these valleys and, you know, these wonderful, I mean, I, they're not necessarily mountains, but they're kind of these high hills that overlook all sorts of really interesting farmland and little houses and things like that. And in the back, there is a small ladder that you can climb over and climb up the hill to kind of get a better view of everything that's around it. And after watching the like the geyser go a couple times, we took a trek up there, climbed over the ladder, and made our way up to the top of a really nice, pristine hill. Um, that hill is really one of my favorite places. Yeah, here. I was going to say, I think that going up there is probably more a better time, I guess, than geyser itself, yeah. I feel like. I mean, well, geyser is cool, and it's a very... Um, awesome phenomenon but um i feel like i get more out of going uh, to that upper area well the best thing about it is from up there you can see everything and you can watch how high that plume is and you can see like everything around you and the difference between that that earth and the colors and then this like lush green you know area and then as you're standing up there you notice that you're on all of these tiny little tiny plants that are all different um while i was up there by the way speaking of tiny plants I saw what looked like a blueberry, and then I ate it, and then I found more, and then I ate them also, and I did not die. Yeah. It, they were actually delicious, <laughs> and I'm not sure if they're blueberries, but they were just fine. Yeah, so. but speaking of yeah. dying, I felt like I was going to die all day. <laughs> I was say I almost died. <laughs> no, I was incredibly oh, yeah. sick, and this is a point where I finally kind of got past that sickness, but... Yeah, Up Chris until this point, I did not die. enjoy myself because I was in incredible pain. A moment. Well, I thought you were going to die because the cliff, like from, we actually <laughs> sat down to sketch at one point, but the cliff sort of like, um, I don't know, it sort of like ripples down, but you can't see the ripples below the ground level that you're at. So you have to like step down to them. So it looked like Chris was stepping off the cliff, but he is right here. And okay. But I am alive. <laughs> <laughs> And it was just really kind of a nice, serene moment. And, and actually, while Chris was floating around taking pictures of things, Jenny and I sat down and did a drawing. Um, and that was really nice. Uh, last year when we went, uh, Chris and Francesca and I hardly ever got a chance to sit down and draw. And so that was pretty nice and therapeutic, I think. You know, I got sort of like a, I don't know, a mini piece of a drawing. Mm-hmm. And then the wind yeah. started flapping, and then my drawing got all weird. But yeah, but it was really good. It was really good. I, I thought it was nice. This is the first book. time we've got to sit down and, and just relax. like take a moment yeah. to take everything in. But 
Yeah. I think there'll be a lot more chances over the next couple of days. I'm sure there will be. I, I have a sketchbook that I bought specifically for this that my intention was to try my best to fill it. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily only on this trip, but just in, you know, the following weeks or, or whatever else. So we'll see, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so we ended up kind of taking in the view for a little bit and then walked back down and met up with everybody. And we had heard that there was um, a hot lake nearby. It was actually very close, called Lagerwatten. And it was probably, you know, I don't know, just a little ways away. We mm-hmm. had warned everybody, too, to bring their swimming suits. We went over there. And... Wait, is that where the spies? Yeah. Hot lake? That's what they called it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. I don't Continue know. Continue your story. It's spo- it was supposedly hot, and that was the rumor. And I went I in that lake, and it was not hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the time, we were like, you have some options. You can go in what, what the Lonely Planet Iceland guide said was the skanky spa, or you could go... <laughs> I think they misspelled <laughs> the swanky. Well, they said skanky spa, and then they said, or the hot lake fed by a hot spring. And then I was like, hmm, skanky sounds great. So... <laughs> We decided that everybody wanted to go um, their separate ways, and most of us went into the uh, spa, and some of us decided that they were going to try the lake. Well, some people decided to go and draw. Yeah. Only Jenny and I decided to try the lake. Oh, yeah, because yeah. you were and, the only and two And they that... won't let us into the locker room because we weren't paying for the spa, so Jenny and I went out and changed in the parking lot. Really? Yeah. yeah, with a sleeping man in the car next to yeah, us. Yeah, with a sl- man sleeping in the car, and then I was about to reveal myself to the world, and then a man, I, I was like, all right, I'm going to go, ready, one, two, and then a car drove by, and I was like, okay, ready, one, two, and then an old man on a lawnmower came by for like 20 minutes, and I was like, just sitting there, waiting for him to pass, and I was like, uh, okay, he's gone, one, two, three, and then I changed. On a lawnmower? Yeah, he was you like... You didn't tell me that. He was like driving his lawnmower in the same spot to watch Chris change. Not really, but... That's good. Well, that's that's memorable. Yeah, so we but went then, down... Yeah. yeah, we went down to the lake, and we had felt it with our hands first, so that's what convinced us to go in the lake. We were like, this is pretty warm. It we is a totally hot lake, do this. yeah. So we stepped in like a foot, and we were like, nope. Actually, we didn't even get our whole foot in before we knew it was cold. There's a hot vent. So there's some warm water right next to the vent. It's like an inch thick, isn't it? On what? the top layer. The very top layer is the yeah. warm part. And then well, the only the very like... top layer in the five feet immediately surrounding this vent. Yes. And then let Jenny put her leg hair right on the vent and scorched I it did. I off. was just walking around and all of a sudden the vent was maybe like an inch from my leg and... It's spewing out like hundreds of degrees of water. <laughs> yeah, so it was either a hundred degrees scorching Jenny's leg hair off, or <laughs> it was just like a regular old Arctic lake. Yep. So it was, where it was, <laughs> it, was it was like painfully cold. <laughs> I think we. Why didn't you wear your wetsuit for a couple of seconds? I thought it was going to be a warm lake. You could have worn that we, weird bodysuit. I know. And but, it, so we we stood in it for a second, and then we're like, okay, let's go to the spa. So we walked inside, but Chris didn't want to walk inside without any shoes on or shirt on or clothes on or something. Yeah. Shoe, yeah, well, that's kind of funny. It was like a cafe right on the inside. Yeah, because the you walk into like a restaurant. 
And you were naked, so you were like, hello. No, I had I had a swimsuit on. I had a Only swimsuit, swimsuit and my rain jacket. <laughs> so you were a flasher. Yes. Especially a flasher. <laughs> you both were flashers. And then you went in there and got no towels, but just walked right in. Well, we got... We got tickets. our ticket to the yeah. spa, yeah. and then we went and sat in the spa with you guys. Yeah, Which we were already really there. Nice. But so there nice. is an exit to the lake, and then we convinced everyone... Because to feel your pain? ...to go out to the lake with us, and we all dunked ourselves in the water. And Manuel, like, or I can't remember who went first, but um, somebody sat down, and they were like, ah, and stood up, and then Manuel sat down, and he just stayed down and didn't make a noise. <laughs> and then we're, everyone was like, oh... And then we all sat down for, or maybe not all, but I sat down for a long time, and I think other people did too. And then the longer you sat there, though, I mean, obviously, the less horrible it was, but it also, at least for me, it made all of my um, hair kind of, like, tingle, like, my hair on my arms and stuff, and on my legs, I could, like, feel it tingle, and when it moved, it was like... You know, if you have your hair combed the wrong way or something oh, and it yeah. hurts, kind of? Yeah. It felt like that. So when my hair would kind of, like, move in the water or in the air, it would, like, hurt. And then I went in the... And then once we were done bathing ourselves in the... Frigid Frigid waters. water. We went back to the spa and then it felt awesome. Yeah. And then Lindsay... I convinced Lindsay and Tegan to do it. Me. Oh, you didn't do it? You didn't do it that no, first time? you convinced me and Lindsay. Oh, no, we did it the second time. Lindsay and I did Jenny it. Jenny was oh, a sucker. Oh, so Jenny didn't go. Two. So Tegan, so yeah. the first time, Tegan, Manuel, Sam, pretty much everyone except for you guys. Yeah, I was like, why would I do that? Gloria didn't go either. And really I can't remember if horrible. Callie went. But everyone else went and, and dipped themselves in freezing cold water up above their head. That is something I would not do. And no. then, um, I and then like I, and then since I convinced Jenny and Lindsay to do it, and then I think it was <laughs> Lindsay did it, and she just like dipped herself in for one second and stood immediately up and ran inside. And then <laughs> Jenny did it, and she dipped herself down to where her butt was like one inch away from the water, and then immediately stood up and said, "I did it," and then ran away. <laughs> I, I think it touched it. But I was so cold; I didn't even know the difference. It was already cold. It's pretty cold. It was pretty cold. Yeah. The other worst part about it is it was really shallow. So in order to immerse your whole body, you had to just like lay down. You couldn't dive in or jump in. You had to walk a good 20 or 30 feet and then lay down. So it was a slow, deliberate process. Yeah. I'm not sure now that I think about it that people are supposed to be in that lake. People it's fine. People learn it all the time. They had a they had a deck that went out Why there. Why would they tell you that's okay if it's not okay? I don't know. I thought maybe I read something wrong in that book <laughs> now that I think about it. But maybe there is. Maybe it was fine. It was good, though. It was good being in the spa for a little bit. I mean, I think like half of what people kind of think of when they think of Iceland are like Blue Lagoon and, you know, the hot springs and, you know, the cold air and the hot water and stuff like that. And I think that was good to treat ourselves. That was good. Yeah, yeah, it was very nice. I don't know. I liked it. We were all super chill when we got out, and then we went uh, sleepy. Yeah, yeah, super. We were like just like floaty, and uh, we had one thing left on our agenda, which was Thingvellir, and so we drove over there. And Thingvellir is where the um, North American and the Eurasian plates, the tectonic plates, are moving away from each other, um, and they've been doing this for such a long time that there has been this giant crack 
in the earth that, what is it, maybe 50 feet deep or something like that. It's yeah, pretty, maybe. It's pretty incredible. And mm-hmm. there's these two massive walls that just jut out of the earth, and then there's almost like a walkway that goes down the center of it. So we ended up going um, and parking the car and climbing up it and finding like a very faint trail that led down the side into a small crevice, down a bunch of rocks as we sort of scrambled over the rocks and held on to things and helped each other over different pieces and made our way all the way down to the bottom where we walked between these two huge cliffs. And on the bottom of this thing, if you can picture this, where it was this kind of long grass that we didn't see anywhere else in the entire place and these big, huge plants that almost look like weird prehistoric uh, Queen Anne's lace or something like that. And we ended up um, kind of wandering through it at different paces. So depending on who got there first, they kind of went ahead and looked around. And uh, the thing about Thingvalier is that there are these boulders caught between crevices and there are moss pieces that cover very obvious sort of deep cracks, you know. Mm -hmm. But it's amazing how much you can't tell unless you step on something. And Mm -hmm. at some moments, you know, we sort of gave the, the message to everybody that just test your footing before you go because there are certain things that will wiggle out from underneath you or your leg may go down a giant hole You know, so we're kind of gingerly stepping upon all these things and trying to make our way down. And um, most people actually made it almost to the end of this entire crack Mm -hmm. and were on their way to kind of climb back up. And, And, of course, because I wasn't sure how far away things were and we were running short on time, called everybody back just as they almost surfaced on the other side of this thing, which I'm sure would have been a really epic, amazing, like success moment Mm -hmm. but you know it's nice to kind of tread both ways on that and see things from a different angle but again it's where you know back in the the olden days uh iceland's parliament you know their senate used to meet and hold all of their meetings there and it's got these amazing acoustics where you know i could not really shout but kind of talk loudly and people from you know the other side could hear you because it's so quiet and We made our way back up and got in the car and headed home. Um, And so the ride was really quiet, but really nice. And the rest of the evening we spent um, making food, having different kind of workshops together. Do you want to talk about some of the workshops? Sure. Um, So we actually did uh, two different workshops last night. So I led the first one. Um, and I actually made accordion books that went along with the topics that I taught. Uh, and so it was all about ideation, process, c- sort of coming up with new ideas and how to challenge yourself in your studio practice. Um, so I think it was really fun. It was I don't really know the feedback from it because it was more self-reflective. It was more um, people sort of writing down ideas and talking about their studio stuff, uh, which is really nice. I think it's it's good at the beginning of a trip especially to sort of sit down and think through ideas and really have a minute with yourself that is also in the structure of a workshop where you can like say um, like comparing and contrasting or picking certain things out and having like prompts to do so and I think that's really nice so it was good and then actually after I went Sam Bosma um, did his workshop um, which I don't know he talked a little bit about 
He had a uh, kind of a conversation starter that talked about world building, and it was a combination between narrative world building and visual world building. And we had a like a really good conversation about. I mean, actually, we talked about video games a lot because there are certain ones like Journey or um, Dark Souls or Demon Souls that have these really bizarre ways of kind of pulling you in, but that are so unique that it's incredibly memorable, not only in the visuals, but also kind of like the like the way that you interact with that space and find out you know, who you are in relation to everything. And I thought the conversation was fantastic. Like You don't often get to talk to people about those types of things, and often we talk about super visual sides of stuff, but not necessarily like theoretical or you know, um, just like dissecting things that we think are, are really meaningful, uh, like, you know, world building in that kind of sense. But so we talked about that for a while and I think that that's where we are. So mm-hmm. that's kind of, yeah, but we is. also got to play. Oh yeah. We played, we just, we just finished up a hot round of skulls. I don't know if that's the most appealing Skulls, one. yeah. It's but skulls. It's also known as um, Skull and Roses, but yeah. our version is called Skulls. But it's a bluffing game. But you guys also played the is dice skull game. Skull or Skulls? It might just be Skull, actually. Oh, but they're, yeah. It's a really good game. You can play it with a set of coasters, um, but you can also buy nice-looking coasters. Yeah. And then we also played, um, a little bit earlier tonight, we played Farkle, which is an awesome dice game. Uh, you're sort of playing to 10,000, and everyone gets really competitive. And really yeah, I was it. making dinner while you guys were playing that, but everyone was shouting. Yeah, shouting it's so yelling. fun. Shouting. Like it's funny like because that. those two games are similar because they're both very easy. They don't require any like reading or anything like that. They're played in groups. But Farkle, everyone is kind of, like, feeling good about cheering for each other. Yeah, And yeah. Skull is, like, you are having a standoff, six-way standoff with everyone where you're all That's why I hoping can't play they, that game. Yeah, it makes Lindsay really nervous. I get nervous. I'm nervous right now thinking <laughs> about it. <laughs> well, Keep all, going. All, the ga- <laughs> all those games are really good. I think it... Um, gives people a chance to sort of relax and get to know one another and i feel like the best way to get to know people is through playing games with them yeah they like sort of forget about any social things and all of their like competitive nature all their like humor all comes out at the same time which is yeah it really does bring people out of their shell really fast it was super good. So we've had a long, long day. And so <laughs> we have big plans for tomorrow. Um, we are hopefully going to go see some glaciers. Uh, we might see some other cool things along the way. And we're hoping for good weather. So uh, wish us luck. Thanks for listening to part one of our Iceland Diaries 2014 Part two will be available next week. So uh, if you would like to hear more information, if you want to see more information about our 2015 residency, you can find that information very shortly, probably in the next several weeks, on our Light Gray Art Lab website, lightgrayartlab.com. And then, Chris, where can people find us? You can email us at podcast at lightgrayartlab.com. We are posting semi-frequently from Iceland, so follow us on Twitter at lightgrayartlab. Like us on Facebook and stay up to date with all the happenings there. 
follow us on Tumblr. It is lightgrayartgallery.tumblr.com, and we'll probably be re-tumbling some of the artist's sketches, drawings, photos, and all that sort of stuff from the trip. Uh, Also, you can subscribe to the podcast on the iTunes Music Store or stream it directly on Stitcher Radio. And thanks again, you guys, for keeping us company as we are in a strange and foreign land, and we'll talk with you soon.